You Can Handle Anything, episode number 289. Can you imagine being able to handle anything? And by that, I mean actually being able to deal with the difficult situations in your life without blaming and complaining and without getting mad at yourself for losing control. Hi, this is Shira Gura, and I know firsthand what it feels like to get hijacked by your emotions. But I also know that being able to control your emotions in the moment is the most empowering way to live. In this podcast, you will learn skills, tips, and strategies on how to handle everyday emotional situations, not only so you can feel more in control and have fewer automatic reactions, but so that you can actually be the person you truly want to be in any situation, no matter what. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now for today's episode. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining me today. So I have a story for you, and it's a good one. But before I share it with you, I'd like to let you know that you have a story for me, too. I know you do. And I know that because we all do. We all walk around with stories all the time, even though we may not realize it. Now, by stories, I'm not talking about a story that you read in a book or a news clip story that you read in a newspaper. I'm talking about a story from your personal life. And you probably don't have to think too hard to come up with one. Honestly, if I just asked you today, how you doing? If you answer more than just one word, like, you know, fine or good, you're likely to give me a story. And by that, I don't mean anything negative. I'm not saying that you shouldn't share details about your life with other people. Of course you can. But what I'm saying is that what you share with others is likely a story. And it's less likely just stating the facts. In fact, it happened to me just today. I bumped into a friend that I haven't seen in a while, and she asked me how the new school year is going for the kids. Now, I could have answered, everyone's fine. Or I could have told her which schools my kids are attending. But instead, I focused on one kid who's struggling a bit in school right now, and I spoke about the previous school he came from and how he didn't receive the skills that he needed, and now he's older and he's paying the price, so we're trying to figure out what we should do to catch him up, and, and, and. It was a story. Now, you may say to me, hey, Shira, that's not a story. That's facts. Your kid didn't receive the skills that he needed from the first school that he attended. That's a fact. I don't see a story there. And the truth is, yes, there are always facts inside of a story. In fact, stories are based on facts. But if you look clearly at my words, what I was sharing were my thoughts and feelings about the facts. I hardly shared any facts at all. What I shared was my story about it. Is my son struggling right now in school? Is that a fact? Or is that my story? Maybe my son would disagree with me. Maybe he'd say he's doing totally fine. Or that I said he didn't receive the skills that he needed. Did he not? Maybe he did receive what he needed. But maybe he just needs some extra support. He's paying the price right now. Is he? Is he in such a terrible spot, or am I just dramatizing the whole thing? Anyway, I'm actually not going to go into this story right now. My point is to say that we do this all the time without realizing it. All the time. 
And it's our stories that end up getting us emotionally stuck. And the reason that our stories get us emotionally stuck is because we believe our stories. If we didn't believe our stories, we'd be more open to other perspectives and possibilities that truly exist for us in any given moment. But because we are so robotic in nature, we are so patterned with how we think and how we feel and how we act, we often get stuck in the same stories that we tell ourselves day in and day out. And so the only way out of this loop is to change your stories. So let me tell you now the story I intended to share with you today. So I live in Israel, for those of you who don't know, and in Israel, medicine is socialized, which basically means everyone has medical insurance, which is paid via the government. And there are incredible benefits about this kind of system, like the fact that everyone is covered. And even if you need a big and important medical procedure done, like a friend of mine who recently had to have her gallbladder removed, you basically pay little to nothing for it. It's quite amazing. On the other hand, you often have to wait months before seeing a specialist, and knowing which doctor to make an appointment for can be super confusing sometimes. Okay, so what happened was a month or so ago, my husband and I took our kids on a vacation for two days. We rented a cottage. Actually, we rented two cottages, like side by side. And obviously, my husband and I stayed in one, and the other four kids stayed in the adjacent one. We had a lovely first evening together. But in the morning, when my husband and I were sitting outside at the breakfast table having coffee and tea, one of my kids walked out appearing very groggy and saying that they hardly slept an ounce. And it was all because of one of the other kids who basically snored all night. Long story short, I felt so terrible for my son, the one who snored, because it wasn't his fault after all. And I asked him if he wanted me to take him to a doctor to see if there was something that we could do about this. And he said, yes. Okay, now the question is, which doctor do I take him to, right? A pediatrician, an ENT, some other doctor. Now, by chance, a few months prior to this, a friend of mine here on the kibbutz told me that she was having some snoring issues and she went to an ear, nose, throat doctor and that she was really pleased with the results. And so I remembered this and so I thought the right thing would be to make an appointment with an ENT. Now, the way that it works here in Israel is basically there's a website and you put your ID number in and then you click on which kind of doctor you want to see and you make an appointment. And if you need a referral, then the website will tell you. Okay, so I clicked on ENT. Of course, I don't know any of them specifically, so I just chose one that was in my area. I made an appointment and it didn't say anything about a referral. So, okay, I took my son. We arrive to this clinic, and within a few minutes, we are received by the doctor. But the doctor's bedside manner was a little rough, but it was okay, right? As a generalization, I find that that's kind of like a cultural thing here, and I've learned not to take it personally. She asked what the problem was. So I told her what I told you already, right? That we were on vacation, and that I learned that he snores, and we want to see if we can do something about this. And she looked at me and said, do you have a referral? And I looked back at her and said, I didn't think that we needed one. And she stared at me. 
but I didn't know what the problem was. And then she asked if I took my son first to the pediatrician. And I told her no. I told her about my friend who told me that she went to an ENT and she didn't need the referral and she got exactly what she needed and that she encouraged me to do the same thing and that's why I made this appointment. And she retorted like this. She goes, is your friend a doctor? Now, I have to say, I was so stunned by her rudeness that it kind of shocked me into silence. I was like, why is she being so rude to me? I'm just trying to do, you know, my best as a mother. And I think maybe she thought that I didn't hear her under her COVID mask because I didn't respond. So she asked me again, is your friend a doctor? Now, I think this was a rhetorical question. I don't think she was really looking for an answer from me, but I was going to answer anyway. But I didn't at first. Instead, I took a pause. I intentionally just looked back at this doctor, who, in my opinion, was being a jerk. And while it may have only been like 10 seconds, it actually felt like 10 hours to me. I just literally stared into her eyes And she stared back at me. I did not want to give my power away to this woman. I didn't want to react with a nasty comeback. I didn't want to talk like, no, my friend is not a doctor. Why? You know, like, I just didn't want to do that. I just wanted to respond casually and with a sense of control. And that's why I just sat there for a few moments. I just stared at her as a way to buy time, you know, to collect myself. But I didn't have to say anything because she responded to her own question. She was like, well, maybe your friend is a doctor. I don't know. But I'm not the one who can help you. I can't do anything about this. You have to go to the pediatrician. They're the ones who help with this kind of problem. Now, this totally frustrated me because I'm like, what is she talking about? Pediatricians aren't specialists with snoring. And why would my friend recommend me to go to an ENT if that wasn't the place to go. I told this doctor that I totally was confused. I didn't understand. And she responded that I didn't have to understand. (laughs) She said she would do a quick exam now to see if she could see anything blocking the nasal passage, but otherwise I need to go to the pediatrician. Now, honestly, I was beyond frustrated. Not only did I drive one hour away to get to this doctor, I actually didn't believe her. I thought she was trying to toss us out of that room because I didn't follow protocol, which I didn't even know about. I thought she was being a jerk for no reason other than, you know, she didn't like me for some reason. And I also thought that she thought that I was wasting her time. So I left the office with barely even saying thank you to her. I honestly didn't feel like she deserved my gratitude after the way that she spoke and treated us. I found myself gripping the steering wheel on the long drive home, telling my son that this is not the way to treat people and that I hope he never treats anyone the way this doctor treated us. A couple weeks later, I take my son to the pediatrician and guess what? Can you guess? When I told him why we were there, he asked me why we were coming to him. He couldn't help us. He's not a sleep specialist. (laughs) Like palm to forehead, right? I was like, but we went to the ENT and she told us that we had to come to you. And he's like, it's totally not me. What do you think I can do about this? 
And I was like, I know, that's what I thought. That's why we went to the ENT. And here I am thinking, I am just wasting my time. I'm wasting my son's time and that I'm done with this, right? I'm just like done. We're giving up. But then the pediatrician said, look, what you need is a sleep specialist, and I will write you a referral for that. So just go to them. They're the ones who can help you. And then I was like, oh, a sleep specialist. I didn't even know that kind of doctor existed. Okay. So what is the point of telling you this story? The point is, is that there were facts. The fact is we went to the ENT and the ENT said I should have gone to the pediatrician first. Whether she was rude or not is really subjective. It's a story, right? The fact is she told me to go to the pediatrician. And when we did, the fact is, is that that doctor said he couldn't help either. I had a story around that one too, even though he wasn't at fault at all. And the last fact is, is that the pediatrician told us we need to go to a sleep specialist, which is our next step and what we're going to be doing next. Now, the truth is, I could have taken what happened from the ENT, been so mad, so pissed off, that I really could have dropped the whole effort, believing that no one really cared about me nor my son. And I could have been mad at my friend, right, who suggested that we go to an ENT in the first place. But can you see that that's all story? It's stories that I made up in my mind. And yes, they are based on facts, but at the same time, those stories didn't serve me. They didn't help me move forward, right? In fact, they only kept me where I was, playing the victim about poor me and that no one cares and that this system stinks and on and on. But what if I had the wrong story? Like, what if the story goes more like this? Oh, the ENT, she probably gets people like me all the time. Yes, you know, she could have been kinder, but she did the basic checkup that was necessary. And she told me the facts and what I needed to do. And she gave me the information that I needed to move forward, as did the pediatrician. And now I know what to do and where to go. And had I not gone to both of those two people, I wouldn't have known. Lucky me. I mean, totally different story, right? Totally different energy. One story, I'm playing the victim. The other story, I'm playing the hero. And I wanted to bring this story to you today to invite you to consider where in your life may you be telling a wrong story. And of course, I put wrong in quotes. Like, what are the facts of the situation? And where do the facts end and the story begins? And where can you consider creating a new story so that you come out as the hero instead of as the victim? This is important, my friends. In fact, this is super important because your stories create your life experiences. And so if you want to experience life differently, you've got to change your stories. And you're the only one who can do that. No one else has the power to do that for you. Other people can suggest alternative stories for you, but you're the only one who has the power to actually shift perspectives. And it might not have to be a big shift, by the way. It might just have to be like a small tweak. But even a small tweak has the potential to change the trajectory of that experience in a huge way. Like think of a ship that's traveling at a certain degree. 
This may be hard to visualize, so I might create a video on Instagram soon to demonstrate this. But anyway, if a boat continues on that trajectory, it'll end up in one place, right? But if the boat even changes course by just one degree, it's going to end up in a totally different place. Sometimes you don't have to make huge shifts in your thinking to experience life in a hugely different way. Sometimes it's just a small tweak that can have huge ramifications for how you end up feeling. Okay, my dear friends, I have a lot of good stuff coming your way in the coming month, starting with the Women's Living Deliberately Retreat here in Israel taking place November 22nd to November 24th, and I'm so excited about that. After that, I'm going to be sharing about an exciting offer to work with me, which if you are subscribed to my newsletter, you will learn about that on Black Friday. And then a couple of weeks later, I'm going to be facilitating my next online workshop, which is called Why Did I Say That? The Powerful Way to React Without Regret. Again, if you are subscribed to my newsletter, you'll get all the information about that. And then in January, I know it might seem like a long time away, but it's really around the corner. I want to give you the heads up because I'm going to be opening the doors to my main course called Emotionally Equipped for Life. And this is a six-week group program where I teach all of my tools, the unstuck method, the clear way, and living deliberately so that you can feel totally emotionally equipped to be able to handle any emotionally challenging situation in your life. I'm only going to be opening the doors to this program three times in 2023. And so I want to give you the heads up now that it's coming. And of course, the graduates of that course will be invited to join my community, which is called the Living Deliberately Circle. And this is a global community of like-minded women who've gone through my course and are all practicing and committing to live their best lives and to live their lives deliberately. So if you are looking to create a change in your life, whether that's in a relationship with other people or the relationship that you have with yourself, I have a lot of wonderful options coming your way. So be sure you head over to my website, shiragura.com, and make sure you are subscribed to my newsletter. Okay, my dear friends, thank you so much for joining me today, wishing you a wonderful rest of your week, and remember, you can handle anything. Hello? Hello? Oh, hi, you're one of my podcast listeners, and you wanted to talk to me about being able to handle something better in your life. Well, as you know, this is a podcast, and so it's kind of like a one-way conversation. But it doesn't have to be like that. When you enroll in my mini course, Get Unstuck, not only will you have lifetime access to my teachings and my step-by-step tool on how to get yourself emotionally unstuck in any moment, you will have three opportunities to meet me live during my office hours so you can ask me any question you may have and so you can see how to apply the unstuck method specifically to your life. You can sign up right away by heading over to my website, shiragora.com, and clicking on Get Unstuck, or you can click on the link in the show notes to watch my free class so you can get a head start on your learning and then enroll from there. Either way, I can't wait to bring this extraordinary work to you and, of course, to meet you in person. 
I look forward to meeting you soon.